Well, hello again. This is Buck Benning speaking. Welcome to a very unique episode of the 1952-53 season of the Jack Benning Show. In this episode, Jack and the gang go into outer space. Uh, the whole um, flying saucer phenomenon uh, was at its peak about this time. In 1947, uh, the whole Roswell incident happened, and the country was kind of uh, interested and fixated on uh, science and space travel um, through this time, from, from about 47 till it reached its peak in about 52, 53. And uh, there were uh, comic books about it and magazines about it. Of course, the, the dawning of 3D and the science fiction films of the of the 50s were uh, coming to fruition here, and um, there was just a huge interest in anything science fiction um, and anything science, too, because the H-bomb um, testing and everything was going on throughout this time frame. And so we have the country fixated in, in uh, with flying saucers and aliens and so forth in a way that they wouldn't be until about 20 years later. It seems 73, 74-ish folks really started to get into the whole UFO um, uh, interest again. Um, but anyway, I hope you enjoy tonight's episode of Jack Benny and science fiction going on everywhere. It's a lot of fun. Um... And please remember, we are way behind right now in donations, just because I haven't been asking at all. I've just uh, been busy doing the podcast and not thinking about donations. But um, if you can donate through PayPal, that would be wonderful, of course. If you go to uh, the website, Buck Benny, just type in Buck Benny Podcast, and it'll connect you up to the website. Uh, just over there on the right-hand side, it says Make Donation, and so you can make a donation through PayPal. I'll also try and do a link to uh, PayPal donations on this actual episode. Um, for folks that are having a hard time finding us now, because iTunes has been having a problem, I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, just if you if you use RSS feed um, for your iPod, iPad, whatever you have, uh, that's a pretty good program that seems to uh, find us every time, all the new episodes and everything. Um, and we would definitely appreciate any donations coming in, so enjoy yourselves. And um, if you want to send um, an email to me or ask for my um, address, it's buckbennyotr at gmail.com. And I would be happy to send you my address so that you can make a donation if you wish. Um, and thanks for keeping the podcast uh, funded so that I can keep making new podcasts for you. Uh, enjoy Jack's show. Uh, we'll also bring you, if I can find it quickly, um, Jack's uh, suspense episode. And that's a science fiction episode as well. Uh, I'll also try and link to a couple of the uh, Jack Benny science fiction bits from his television show. So um, make sure you check those out. See you next time. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. 
In a cigarette, nothing, no nothing beats better taste. And remember... Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky's bright means fine tobacco, richer tasting. Fine tobacco. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's bright. Lucky's bright. This is Don Wilson, friends. I'm sure all you smokers will agree that the one thing you want most from your cigarette is better taste. For after all, nothing, no nothing, beats better taste. And Lucky's taste better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. Now, there are good reasons why. For one thing, Lucky's are made of good-tasting tobacco. Tobacco that is fine, light, naturally mild. Yes, L-S-M-F-T, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Then Lucky's are made better to taste better. Made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. In addition... Every pack of Lucky's is extra tightly sealed to bring you Lucky's better taste in all its natural freshness. Just open up a pack, and you'll find that every Lucky Strike is as fresh as the day it was made. That's right. Lucky's just naturally have a better taste when they're made and still have that better taste when you smoke them because they come to you fresh. So for real deep-down smoking enjoyment, be happy. Go Lucky. Get a carton of better-tasting, fresher-tasting Lucky Strike. Lucky tastes better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, immediately after this radio show, Jack Benny will do another of his monthly television programs over the CBS network. But in the meantime, let's go back to last Monday when Jack returned from a successful personal appearance at the Kern Theater in San Francisco. As we look in on Jack, he's at home going over some mementos of his theater appearance. 7,098. <laughs> 7,099. What are you doing, boss? Oh, I'm just checking over the number of programs you sold during my engagement in San Francisco. <laughs> I thought I sold quite a lot of them. Oh, you did, Rochester. And those programs made wonderful souvenirs. They had my biography and pictures of my entire life in them. I know. Say, boss, in that picture on the second page, was that man standing beside you, your father? No, no, he was my violin teacher, and he had just finished giving me a lesson. But why were you wearing that big floppy hat? That's not a hat. It's my violin. The teacher just broke it over my head. <laughs> he was very impulsive, you know. <laughs> very impulsive, very impulsive. <laughs> Hello, Polly. I'm glad you're home from the pet shop. <laughs> now, Rochester... I hope you put away all the things I brought from San Francisco. I did that this morning. And did you do what I told you to do about laying out all my clothes and calling the cleaner to get them? I did that, too. Good. Now, go upstairs and make sure I didn't leave anything in my clothes. Go through the pockets. Again! <laughs> oh, you went through the pockets already? Twice. Once with the hands and once with the magnet. <laughs> <laughs> well, never mind. Do it again. You take care of my clothes. I'll answer the door. 
Hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, Dennis. Welcome home. Well, it's nice being home. Good to see you again. Uh, thanks, kid. I hurried over as soon as I heard you were back. You did? Yeah. Gosh, have I got something to tell you. What, Dennis? What? What? I'm quitting your show. <laughs> You're quitting the show? Uh-huh. Wait a minute, Dennis. What's wrong this time? Don't you like the material you get on the program? Oh, I think the lines they give me are very funny. Well, don't you like the short hours you have to work? Well, they're fine. Well, don't you like the musical arrangements I get you for your songs? I think they're wonderful. Then for heaven's sakes, kid, what's the matter? I don't like you. <laughs> After 14 years, you suddenly found out you don't like me. I didn't like you when I first met you. Look, Dennis, let's drop this silly talk. You can't quit. Well, I'm gonna quit. Well, you can't. Your contract still has 41 years more to run. <laughs> oh, boy, that's what I like, security. <laughs> yeah, yeah, security. Now, let me hear the song you're gonna do on Sunday's show. Yes, sir, it's called If I Love You a Mountain. It's from my new 20th Century Fox picture, The Girl Next Door, which is 3D. Oh, your picture, huh, Dennis? Yeah, I didn't know it was 3D. Yeah, Dennis Day's delightful. <laughs> Now, look, let's have you... Hold on a second, Dennis. Hello? Hi, Jack. This is Bob Crosby. Oh, hello, Bob. When'd you get home from San Francisco? Oh, who's home? I'm still up here. <laughs> well, how come? I thought you were supposed to get back here yesterday. Oh, yeah, but San Francisco has fascinated the boys in the band so much that I can't get them to leave. Well, what's so fascinating to the boys in the band? Well, Remley's absolutely amazed at all the steep hills in San Francisco. <laughs> What do you mean? Well, it's the first time Frankie's been sober in the city cockeyed. <laughs> that I can believe. But look, when are you coming home? Tomorrow. I tried to get the fellas to leave here tonight, but Bagby's giving a little party. Charlie Bagby, our piano player? Mm -hmm. What kind of party is he giving? Well, it's not exactly a party. He's invited the rest of the band to watch him jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Now, wait a minute, Bob. Wait. I know that Bagby has certain peculiarities. I can understand him wearing gloves when he plays the piano because he doesn't want to leave his fingerprints on anything. <laughs> I can even understand him not wanting to ever sit in a chair because of the way his uncle died. <laughs> so why should he want to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge? Oh, he did it yesterday and he liked it. <laughs> He liked it? Yeah, he thinks those white caps are brew 102. <laughs> Look, Bob, this is all very funny, but a man doesn't phone long distance just to tell jokes. Now, what do you want? Well, Jack, to tell you the truth, I've run out of money and I need some to get back to Los Angeles. Well, Bob, you don't need any money to get back here. All you have to do is get a road map, stand out on the highway, and motorists will pick you up. Jack, a man in my position can't hitchhike. <laughs> Wait a minute, Bob, wait a minute. On second thought, maybe you shouldn't hitchhike. I'll send you the money. Where are you staying? Uncle Dan's mission. <laughs> oh, well, I'll wire it to you. So long, Bob. Bye. Okay, Dennis, let me hear your song, huh? Yes,
just a tiny hill. If I love you a meadow, can you love me just a daffodil? If I need you a symphony to underscore the mood I'm in, Sounds great, you know. I don't know what it is, but your voice gets better and better. You know, you're not only one of the best singers. Or... <laughs> that kid gets sillier every day. Every day, every day. Quiet, Polly. See, I don't know what to do today. I think. Uh... Mr. Berry, it's nearly lunchtime. Would you like me to get you something to eat? No, I'm not hungry. Maybe later. Okay. By the way, what happened to Mr. Day? He left. Oh, then if we're alone, there's something I want to ask you. What is it? I want to ask you for a raise. Again? <laughs> <laughs> Look, Rochester, you can forget it. I... I'll answer the door. Hi, doll. Hello, Jack. I wasn't expecting you. Well, I didn't intend dropping in, but I wanted to mail this letter, and I'm out of stamps. Do you have any left? Oh, sure. They're in the next room, then. There they are. Thanks. the folder in the wastebasket. <laughs> Who, uh... Who's the, uh... Why, are you surprised? Who's the letter? <laughs> who's the letter to? Huh? Uh, my mother. I'm answering one I received from her this morning. Oh, you got a letter from your mother? Yeah, would you like to hear it? Certainly. What does get lost little Sheba have to say? <laughs> well, here it is. I'll read it to you. Okay. <clears throat> my darling daughter, Mary... Just a short note to let you know that all is going well here on the farm. 
And before I forget, I want to thank you for the lovely Mother's Day gift. Your Aunt Sophie is breaking her engagement with her boyfriend. It's probably just as well she broke it off. Now she won't have to go and see him on visiting day anymore. That constant kissing through the wire screen made her face look like waffles. <laughs> yeah, most women use pancake makeup. She just uses pancakes. <laughs> no other news. No other news except that I hope you saw your Uncle Willie on television last Sunday. He appeared on What's My Line and won $50. Gee. None of the experts could guess that he was a bum. <laughs> good for Uncle Willie. He could use the $50. Also, the bottle of Stop It. <laughs> Incidentally, he could also use... Uh, Jack, Jack, please. There's a P.S. Oh, and it's about you. Well, read it. Read it, kid. Okay. Mary... Mary, I read in Variety that Jack really had a successful engagement up at San Francisco and made a lot of money. I am so happy for him because this is what he always wanted. Your mother can kid me if she wants to, Mary, but I had a swell time in San Francisco. I know, Jack. We all did. Well, I better be running along now. Wait a minute, Mary. I haven't anything to do this afternoon. Maybe we'll take a walk or something. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry, but I can't. This is near the end of the season, and I've got to go downtown and audition for a summer job. Oh, really? What company, CBS or NBC? M-A-Y. <laughs> oh, oh, well, lots of luck, Mary. I hope you get what you want. Goodbye. Bye, Jack. Uh, would you like some lunch now, Mr. Benny? No, I'm still not hungry. Gee, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to go play golf or just sit around. Well, or... why don't you just relax and read a book? Well, I've read all my books. Well, you can go to the library and borrow some new ones. Hey, that's a good idea. Rochester, you get the car. No, it's only a short distance, such a nice day. I'll walk. I'll see you later, Rochester. Goodbye, boss. Goodbye, boss. <laughs> oh, say, that reminds me, Rochester. Yes, sir? This afternoon, I want, to, I want you to give Polly a bath. <laughs> Again? <laughs> yes, again. I'll see you later. Ah, but it's nice and quiet in the library. Peaceful, too. Oh, there's the librarian. I'll have to see her about getting a card. Yes, sir. Can I help you? Yes, miss. Uh, I'd like to join the library. Oh, you'd like to take out a library card? Yes, and the librarian, too. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you want to get a card, you'll have to give me some information. Your name? Jack Benny. Your address? 366 North Camden Drive. Your age? 39. 39? Yeah. You haven't worn well, have you? <laughs> well, I worry a lot. <laughs> Well, here's your card, Mr. Benny. Now, as you know, this is a public library, and each book you borrow may be kept free for three weeks. However, for each day after that, we fine you two cents. Oh. And if I bring the book back before the three weeks are up, do you give me <laughs> two cents a day? Of course. 
Act not. What a racket. <laughs> now, where where would I find some of oh, the... Oh, Jack! Jack! Oh, Jack, I'm glad you're still here. Huh? Oh, Don, how'd you know where I was? Well, I dropped over to your house and Rochester told me you'd gone to the library. But, Don, I just got here myself. How'd you get here so fast? Well, Sportsman Quartet and I rode over here in my MG. Wait a minute. <laughs> the four sportsmen and you in an MG? Yeah, I was low man on the totem pole. Oh. Well, what was so important that you had to see me now? Well, Jack, the sportsmen have a new number they've rehearsed, and they'd like you to hear it. Now, wait a minute. They can't sing here. This is a library. Certainly not. Well, this will only take a minute. But, Don, look at that sign. It says, don't talk, whisper. That's wonderful, Jack. The name of the song is Whispering. Oh, oh. Miss, the name of the song is Whispering. Oh, that's all right. Okay, Don. Take it, fellas. Whispering while you cuddle me. Whispering so Gentlemen! Gentlemen, that's so loud! This is the library! Don, please, it's embarrassing. Strike, but don't you ever have the boys sing another song in the library. Okay, Jack. Well, I'll see you later. So long. Goodbye, goodbye. I better apologize to the librarian. Miss, I'm awfully sorry about this disturbance. Oh, that's all right. That's the most excitement we've had in this library since we put the Kinsey Report next to Forever Amber. <laughs> well, I can imagine, huh? Well, I better go find a book to read. Gee, we must have thousands of books here. Let's see. Here's one. It Takes More Than Talent by Mervyn Leroy. Yeah, I read that. It's very good. Something about me in it, too. <laughs> I wonder if that's the same Mervyn Leroy that... No, no, I guess not. Here's another one. Return to Paradise by James Michener. Let's see what books they have under adventure. Hey, this book sounds exciting. How I Discovered the Insane Pirate's Buried Fortune. Or Dig That Crazy Treasure. <laughs> 
the books on this shelf. They're all devoted to spaceships and interplanetary travel. I think I'll take this one. I flew to Mars in a spaceship. See, that sounds interesting. Maybe I'll sit down here and read it. I flew to Mars in a spaceship. Chapter One. Hello, Commander. Hello, Tom. <laughs> As we readied ourselves for the flight, I couldn't help staring at her. She looked so beautiful and alluring in her new low-cut oxygen tank. <laughs> Finally, I turned to her and said, Tonga. Let's make our last-minute checks before we blast off into space. All right, Buzz. I'll call the items off. You check them on the chart. Power rockets. Power rockets. Stratosphere speed indicator. Stratosphere speed indicator. Liquefied jet fuel. Liquefied jet fuel. Buggy whip. Buggy... <laughs> Wait a minute. What are we doing with a buggy whip on a space rocket? Somebody goofed. and we were off. The terrific acceleration made us lose consciousness, and when we came to, we were in outer space. As Tonga navigated, I asked her questions. What is the gravitational pull of the Earth now? Zero. And our speed? I have her wide open. We're doing 99,000 miles per hour. Hmm, we should be doing 100,000. I wonder what's slowing us up. You forgot to take the foxtail off the radiator cap. <laughs> oh, yes. It cuts our speed, but it's sporty. <laughs> Congo, why, wait a minute. Why are you slowing down the ship? There's a man standing up ahead with his hand extended. Oh, yes. Slow it way down. I'll open the hatch door and talk to him. Hey, what are you doing out there? I'm hitchhiking to Los Angeles. <laughs> well, good luck. I'm going to Mars, but I'll be back in time for my television show. Before we realize it, Mars began to loom up in our space scope. Now the crucial moment for landing was at hand. Get the ship in landing position. Landing position achieved. Jettison the ballast. Ballast jettison. So far, we haven't loused up any of the words. <laughs> Stop the ship. <laughs> Old-fashioned sound man. <laughs> Tonga and I got out of the ship. The first Earthlings to land on Mars. As we walked around, we were amazed at the weird atmosphere. 
we saw a strange creature approaching us. There was life on Mars. As it came closer, I nervously gripped my disintegrator gun. Then this creature stopped, opened its mouth, and said, Ah, uh, welcome to Mars. <laughs> we came from Earth. I'm Commander Buzz Corey, and this is Tonga. Tonga? Yes. <laughs> As our spaceship flew over your planet, we didn't see any farms. Oh, uh, we have no farms. Well, where do you raise your animals and vegetables? Oh, we don't have none. Well, for heaven's sakes, what do you eat? Oh, we have plenty. We eat irradiated air, powdered uranium, condensed hydrogen, and Cimarron rolls. <laughs> I could see I would get nowhere with him, so I asked him to take me to his chief. A few minutes later, we found ourselves standing in front of the most important person on the entire planet. Deferentially, I bowed to him and said, Are you the leader of the Martians? Today, yes, but I'm quitting your show tomorrow. <laughs> I stared at this Martian in amazement. On Earth, we had been led to believe that all living things on Mars had huge, tremendous heads. This one had no head at all. <laughs> You made a mistake coming here. We tolerate no strangers. But we are friends. Guards, get ready to kill these people. You can't kill me. You can't. You can't. You can't. Sir, you'll have to lower your voice. This is a public library. Huh? I said lower your voice. This is a library. Oh, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. I, I was reading this book and was carried away. For a while, I was in the... 25th century. Then I was mistaken. You certainly do wear well. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take this book home with me. I'll finish it after I do my television show. Goodbye. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back in just a moment to tell you about my television show, which goes on immediately after this program. But first, a word to cigarette smokers. Nothing, no nothing beats better taste. And remember... Luckies taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Luckies taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For lucky strike meat. Pine tobacco, richer tasting. Pine tobacco. Luckies taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky strike. Lucky strike. Friends, when it comes to really enjoying a cigarette, remember this. Nothing. No, nothing beats better taste. And Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's taste better because they're actually made better. Made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. Then, too, Lucky's taste better because they're made of fine tobacco. I guess the whole world knows LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Fine, light, naturally mild tobacco with a wonderful aroma and even better taste. So for the real deep-down smoking enjoyment of a better-tasting cigarette, smoke Lucky Strike, the cigarette that has better taste when it's made and still has that better taste when you smoke it. Yes, next time you buy cigarettes, ask for a carton of better-tasting Lucky Strike. Be happy, go lucky, get better taste today.
ladies, ladies and gentlemen, my producer is signaling me that I'm a little early. He means I'm a little early for my TV show, which goes on immediately after this radio program. But I'm a little late on this program, so I better say goodbye on radio, and in a few seconds I'll say hello on television. Boy, am I a crazy mixed-up kid. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> program this week was written by Milt Josephsberg, John Tackerberry, Al Gordon, Hal Goldman, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Martin. Be sure to hear The American Way with Horace Height for Lucky Strike every Thursday over this same station. Consult your newspaper for the time. The Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. This is the CBS Radio Network. Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents Transcribe, the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. For your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Doing things for others is a great source of satisfaction, except when Phil Harris is the one who does it. Then things are better off undone. More about that later. First, a word from RCA Victor. With a good old summertime just around the corner, it's time to start thinking about that great American pastime, figuring out ways to beat the heat. You'll find different ideas about how to beat the heat. Some folks take a train to the seashore. Some people take a cruise. Some fly to the mountains in Canada. But nowadays, more and more people are finding out that the best way to beat the heat is this way. In other words, by staying right in their own living room and finding that they can feel better at home with an RCA room air conditioner. The silent turn of a dial. It's that easy. You actually tune in seashore weather, mountain weather, vacation weather, right in your own living room. Or in your bedroom, if you choose, for summer nights of cool, restful sleep. No wonder so many Americans are buying the wonderful new RCA room air conditioner. What a great name behind it. RCA. What a host of features in it. The heart of cold compressor. The amazing climate tuner. And for the finest service and installation of your RCA room air conditioner, remember... RCA Service Company. Trained factory technicians will install your RCA room air conditioner. Adjust it, service it. Get an RCA room air conditioner early this year. Make sure you feel better this summer right at home. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Bill Harris. Mo 
Most parents try to give their children all the advantages they didn't have when they were children. At times, this results in the child acquiring a wrong sense of values. Little Alice Harris is now going through that stage. As we look in, she's asking her parents to buy her something. Father, I'm ten years old and I'm not being unreasonable. All I'm asking you for is a measly mink coat. <laughs> That's all, huh? You wouldn't settle for a stole, would you? No, I want a full-length mink coat Something that will keep me warm from top to bottom You keep this up and the only thing you'll have to worry about Is keeping your top warm <laughs> Because I'm gonna warm your little bottom <laughs> I don't want to hear no more about it But Daddy, dear If you love me, you'll get me a mink coat and you do love me, don't you, Daddy? Hmm? Get away from me, you little gold digger. <laughs> don't pull that routine on me. Your mother beats you to it, Blondie. Now, Alice, where did you get this ridiculous idea of wanting a mink coat? Well, I don't think it's ridiculous. You have one, Mommy. But I didn't get it when I was 10 or 20. Or 30 or 40 or 50. <laughs> it, Clyde. Where do you think you're going? I was only trying to prove a point. Well, prove it with your age, not mine. <laughs> As I was saying, Alice, I didn't get my first fur coat until I was 23. That was almost two years ago. <laughs> Are you 25 already? <laughs> Doesn't seem possible Time flies, doesn't it? Not with you at the control <laughs> Father, do I get the mink coat or don't I? You don't, so you might as well forget it Very well If you want me to go to school in a shabby condition, it's up to you But there's one thing I need for school that I can't get along without That's different Anything that will help you in school, we'll get you What do you want? A chauffeur to drive me there <laughs> I'm tired of going on the school bus Well, ain't that just too bad Do you realize that when I was your age We didn't have no school bus? Why? Wasn't the automobile invented yet? <laughs> Honey, the wheel wasn't even invented <laughs> Now that we're even on the age jokes, I'll go on As I was saying, when I was your age, we lived in the backwoods The first day I went to school, my father put down his jug and said Son, the schoolhouse is down the road a piece, about three miles And you're going to have to walk it every day for eight years in your bare feet well, Didn't that hurt your feet? I wouldn't know, I never went <laughs> If you never went to school, how did you learn to read and write? I was self-educated Let me tell you the story of my life Phil, Phil, please don't I got a special version for children <laughs> It's very tender and mild and it... Never mind Alice? You're not getting a chauffeur Well, maybe I can struggle along without a mink coat or a chauffeur But there's one thing I simply must have 
This is for my health. Well, that's different. Anything you need for your health, you can have. What do you need? A swimming pool. <laughs> oh, this kid's got to get some sleep. Where do you get all those ideas? I ain't building no swimming pool just for you. Why not? You had a swimming pool in your house when you were young. Who told you that? Grandpa did. He said when you were a boy, he couldn't get you out of the pool room. <laughs> Reaching kid You know, honey I think a swimming pool Would be a real good idea It would be beneficial For the children And we'd enjoy it too Oh, now I got Two gold diggers Working on it Regular and king size You know, Phil I like the idea Of a pool Then you pay For building it I can't afford it Oh, come now, Myrtle <laughs> Let's keep this believable you got more money in one sock than the California bank has in all its branches Now, honey, you're the head of the family And it's up to you to pay for the swimming pool You have enough money I have enough money What makes you think that I... I'll get that What's the matter with this family? They seem to think that I'm made of money Hiya, Curly Ah, hello, Elliot, come on in What's the matter with you? That's ah, my family my wife and daughter have an idea that I'm loaded. Well, don't breathe in their direction. They won't know that. <laughs> Elliot, there's another kind of loaded. My family thinks I'm loaded with money. They want me to build a swimming pool. Well, why don't you? Because it costs a lot of money. It doesn't have to. What do you mean? We can build it ourselves. Bum, ba bum, bum. What was that for? This is a dragnet plot if I ever heard one. <laughs> Build our own get away from no, me. No, Curly, that's a cinch. With me helping, we'll have it finished in no time. I'm very good at digging holes in the ground. Phil, who is it? The mole. <laughs> what are you talking about? I asked you who it was. Hello, Alice. Oh, it is the mole <laughs> Hey, did Phil tell you he's going to buy a swimming pool for the children? I ain't buying the kids no pool How can you be such a cheap father? Nothing's too good for your children Every kid needs a pool Keeps them off the street and keeps them clean at the same time I keep telling you it's very expensive It costs a lot of money Hey, Curly, then I got an idea If the kids want a swimming pool and you don't want to spend the money Why don't you get them a wading pool? Oh, you mean one of those collapsible jobs that you blow up? Yeah. Hey, that's a great idea. Them things don't cost much. Where do we go to buy one? To Grogan's War Surplus Store. He's got some very good merchandise. Let's go over and see him. Okay, we'll go over and see. Hey, Alice, I'm going out and get the kids a pool. Well, it's almost lunchtime, Phil, so hurry back. Don't worry, I'll be back before you can open a can of tuna fish and sing two courses of It's the Lovely. <laughs> Why don't we go walking tonight while the moon is shining? The lovely light you can tell at a glance. It's a night for romance. The night is long, the skies are clear. And if you want to go walking, dear, it's delightful, it's delicious, it's delovely. I understand the reason why you're sentimental, because so am I. It's delightful, it's delicious. It's delovely. 
You can tell at a glance What a swell night this is for romance You can hear dear mother nature murmuring more Let yourself go, so please be sweet, my ticketee And when I kiss you, just say to me It's delightful, it's delicious It's delectable, it's delirious It's dilemma, it's dilemma It's deluxe, it's delovely It's delightful, it's delicious, it's delectable It's delirious and the night is young The skies are clear And if you want to go walking, dear It's delightful, it's delicious, it's delovely I understand the reason why you're sentimental Cause so am I It's delightful, it's delicious, it's delovely You can tell at a glance What a swell night this is for romance You can hear dear mother nature murmuring low Let yourself go, go please be sweet my chickadee And when I kiss you just say to me It's delightful, it's delicious, it's delectable It's delirious, it's It's dilemma, it's dilemma It's deluxe, it's deluxe Well, how do you like Grogan's war surplus store? He's got everything from the Army and Navy. He certainly has. Man, he's got a lot of good bargains in there, too. Look at that price list up there. Army blankets, $2. Cots, $4. Discharge papers, $1. (laughs) Dishonorable discharges, two for a quarter. (laughs) That's an excellent buy. Six-hour passes, 75 cents. This is a buy. Just imagine only 75 cents for a six-hour pass. And I throw in four live phone numbers. <laughs> Each and every one of these numbers has been approved by the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, all and right, I am Grogan, offic- all right. Oh, it's you, Harris. What are you doing in my store? Grogan, I'd yeah? like to... Uh... Buy something from your war surplus stuff. Well, you have come to the right place. <laughs> I handle some of the best war surplus merchandise in the country. Now, uh, would you be interested in a sawed-off shotgun or um, perhaps a black limousine fully equipped with armor plate and uh, bulletproof windows <laughs> and uh, revolving tummy gun turrets? <laughs> this is war surplus stuff? Yeah, yeah, left over from a gang war in Chicago. <laughs> I don't believe that's what I want. Well, then, kids, you just don't have to buy it. Because I got a lot of other stuff. Just come over here and I'll show you what I got. I don't care what you got. I'll tell you what I want. I don't care what you want. You're going to take what I got. <laughs> now, here is something that you ought to love. Slightly used whack uniform. It's only $110. $110 for a whack uniform? Yeah. That's a lot of money. I know a place that sells them cheaper. With the wax still in it? <laughs> Broken, I just came in to buy one of those rubber wading pools. Well, ain't that sweet? <laughs> Gertrude wants to go wading. <laughs> 
Tell me, Dom, would you also like a pail and a shovel and a handful of sand to throw at the grown-ups? Huh? Don't be a wise parolee. Pool ain't for me, it's for my kids. Well, in that case, I got just the thing for you. Here it is, a collapsible life raft that the Navy used to use for landing operations. It's oversized, will make a great pool for the kids. Hey, yeah, that's just what I want. I'll take it. Good, it's right over there, all rolled up. Hey, it's uh, pretty heavy. It'll take the two of you guys to carry it. Oh, we'll manage. Oh, wait a minute. By the way, uh, how do we uh, inflate this thing? Well, I'll sell you a tank of compressed air. Better give you a large tank. You know, this thing takes a lot of air. Yeah. Hey, that's swell. Look, I'll take the whole works. How much do I owe you? Oh, don't worry about that now. I'll come over to your house some night and pick up the money. What night will you be over? We may not be home. It's better that way. <laughs> Just leave the second story window open and I'll take pot luck. <laughs> Boy, it's good to get home. I didn't realize a rubber pool could be so heavy. Hey, Curly, I can't hold this thing much longer. Where do you want to put it? Just just drop it on the floor here for the time being. There you go. Well, it's about time you got back and... Phil. Phil, what's that untidy mess in the middle of the floor? That's Elliot. <laughs> I mean the other untidy mess. <laughs> Why do you people keep picking on me? I'm a lovable chap. I'm nice to my mother. I even go up to the attic and feed my aunt once in a while. <laughs> You're a sweet kid. <laughs> hey, Alice, this is the rubber pool we bought. We got it at Grogan's. Oh, you picked a good boy. If, <laughs> if that thing holds air, it'll be a miracle. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going in to make lunch. Okay, honey. Ooh, lunch. Hey, Elliot, hmm? you know something? I think Alice is right. You know, you can't always depend on things that that Grogan sells you. Maybe, maybe we should have tested it first. Well, let's test it now. Hand me that hose from the compressed air tank and I'll attach it to the pool valve. Well, do you think we ought to do this here in the living room? Well, why not? Nothing's gonna happen. <laughs> Just let a little air in and then turn it off. Hey. It's starting. The air's kind of weak, but now you got it. That's it. Turn it up. All right. Hey, it's working now. This thing holds air all right. Oh, yeah. It's starting to get bigger. Yeah. Hey, that's enough. Turn it off. Okay. Curly? What's the matter? <laughs> the valve's stuck. I can't turn it off. Well, you got to turn it off. It's getting bigger. It's starting to come to... Now, it's not the chair over. There goes the table. And the lamp. Now it's going for the piano. It's got it. It don't play very well. Look, you've got to stop this thing. It's knocking the furniture all over the place. I'm trying to stop it, but I can't. This monster's filling up the whole room. Well, so here's your lunch. I made you a nice tuna fish salad and a whole bottle of beer. Oh, my. <laughs> Pushed her right back in the kitchen. <laughs> Tuna fish, cold bottle, and all. Phil Harris, what's going on in there? Stop that thing! Stop it, she says. It's got me pinned to the wall. I can't lift my Elliot. Will you do something, Elliot? Where are you? Right here in the fireplace. 
jumping right through the screen. Will you stop and do something? This thing is ruining our living room. Don't worry about it, Curly. It can't hold much more air. It's gonna blow up any minute. Oh, no. If this thing blows up with all that air in it, there's gonna be an awful explosion. Anybody home? I promise... Where'd he go? <laughs> he was here a minute ago. He... Hey, Elliot. Hmm? You think maybe it could be? Oh, well, here today and gone tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't even wait till tomorrow. Oh, heaven's sake. What happened in here? What was that horrible... Oh, no. Look at my living room. Phil, I want you and Elliot to clean up this mess before I get back. Where are you going? Back into the kitchen to finish making your lunch. I have to scrape your tuna fish sandwich off the wall. <laughs> well, I guess we can start by throwing that swimming pool away. It's probably ruined. No, it isn't, Curly. I was just looking at it. It just blew out in one spot. We can put a blowout patch on it. It'll be as good as new. Good, because I got some blowout patches in the garage. Come on, let's go and fix this thing. All right. Well, there we are, Curly. It's all fixed. You said it. Did a good job, too, didn't we? Yeah. We covered the blowout completely, and that patch looks good and strong as new. That'll never come off. Now, let's let a little air in it test it again. Okay, Elliot. In the living room again? <laughs> this time, you don't have to worry. I fixed the valve. Oh, well. Now, I'll just let a little air in to see if the pool's okay. There we go. Hey, Elliot, nothing's happened The pool ain't inflating That's funny, the air's going in okay And... and... Hey, Curly, look over there where we put the patch on Oh, no, there's a big blister forming there And it's getting bigger Elliot, Elliot, shut the air off Yeah, okay, I'll... I'll, I'll... Curly, you're gonna hate me for saying this, but... <laughs> But what? The valve is stuck again. I had a feeling that's what you were going to say. Look, you better pull that valve off. Look at that blister. It's getting bigger now. It ain't going to take much more air. What kind of a joint is this? Which one of you jikes shot me out of that cannon? Look out, Julius. All I did was come in and say, anybody home? I... He goes again. <laughs> he's flying better this time. Well, he's had a few hours in the air. <laughs> One more trip, he's ready to solo. Phil, Phil, what happened in there Never now? Never mind, just keep scraping the toner. <laughs> hey, we might as well give up, Elliot. That pool has got to be ruined now. No, it ain't, Curly. It was just a blowout patch that blew off. We can fix that. What are you, a couple of wise guys or something? <laughs> oh, you think little fuselage can stay? All right, now, don't, don't, don't get excited, Julia. Don't get excited, he says. Every time I come in the house, all I say is, anybody home, I brung the, there's a loud woman, away I go. 
<laughs> what are you beefing about? You didn't get hurt, did you? No, but the lady across the street is sore at me. What for? I landed on a rutabagas. <laughs> well, I don't blame her. That can be painful. <laughs> Rutabaker bones in the back are very delicate. <laughs> Me with. We weren't shooting at you. We're trying to inflate this swimming pool and the blowout patch blew off. Well, no wonder. You just can't put a cold patch on there. You gotta vulcanize it. You know how to vulcanize it? Sure. I got a kid out in me truck. Hey, you ha- hey, look, I'll make a deal with you, kid. You help us fix it and I'll pay you. Okay, I'll go get the kid. Hey, Curly, the gauge on the tank says empty. We haven't got any more air left. Well, it's just as well. The valve on the tank is broken anyway. Well, how are we going to inflate the pool? I'll go out and get another tank with a good valve. Oh, all right. Now, you stay here and help Julius vulcanize, and I'll go get another tank of air. Hey, I'm back, fellas. Yeah, I got another tank of air. How'd you guys make out with the patch? I put a patch on here that's really going to hold. Well, as long as we got everything, let's test it. (laughs) Elliot, hmm? You think we ought to go through this thing again? Just once more for laughs. Anyway, we got nothing to worry about now. We got a new tank and the valve won't stick. Yeah, I guess you're right. Only this time, you and I are going to keep our eyes on this tank gauge. Right. Now, when it gets up to 20 pounds, we're going to shut it off. Now, it's just to test it, huh? Yeah, okay, I'll connect it. Hey, Julius. Yeah? Incidentally, now look, you sit in the middle of that pool and watch that patch. If it starts to blister, yeah. Okay. And Mr. Harris, you better open the front door. What for? In case I take off again, I don't want nothing in way. <laughs> now, nah, nah, kid, you don't have to worry. Ain't nothing gonna blow up no more. Elliot and me are gonna keep our eyes on that gauge. Right on the gauge. You in there, Julius? Yeah. Okay, turn around here, Elliot. Yep. Turn it on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's going in good. Yeah. Two pounds in there already. Hmm? Four pounds. This is a better tank than the other one. You got it at Grogan's? No, no, I didn't have to go all the way down there. I passed the playground and some guy there had one. Playground? What was he doing with it? He was using it to blow up toy balloons. <laughs> nice guy. <laughs> he gave it to me cheap. Who is he, Curly? I don't know. Wait a minute. I saw his name on that tank someplace. Oh, there it is. H.E. Liam. (laughs) Uh, Curly, that's pronounced helium. Helium. That's an odd name. (laughs) Must be a Swede. I'll have to remember that. Fellas, strange things are happening. (laughs) What's the matter, Julie? Is that patch starting to go up? No, I am. (laughs) Fellas, turn that thing off. I'm floating up to the ceiling. Ouch, me little head. (laughs) Fellas, get me down from here. Hey, Elliot, I'll be darned. Look, he is up on the ceiling. Pool and all. Well, fellas, I got your lunch ready. Get me down off the ceiling. He is a pop. <laughs> and my little nose is starting to bleed. Oh, Phil, Phil, get him down here. How? There. We can't reach it to let the air out of the pool. Yeah, I got we... it, Curly. I'll throw this knife up. That'll puncture it. 
Watch it, Julia. She'll be coming down in a minute. Here it comes. Help! I'm falling! Well, don't stand there, Phil. Pick him up. I will, as soon as he stops bouncing. <laughs> Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. Whatever your mood, there's music to match it in these new RCA Victor record albums. There's music for relaxing, for dining, for reading, and there's music for romancing, too, played by the orchestras of Henry René and Hugo Winterhalter. It's mood music, recorded on RCA Victor's wonderful new 45 extended play records. And because these new 45 extended play records give you double the music for less money, they make the Victrola 45 a better buy than ever. It's the simplest automatic phonograph ever made. All play and no work. Just load up to 14 45 extended play records, press the button, and enjoy nearly two hours of your favorite music played through RCA Victor's famous Golden Throat Tone System. See and hear the automatic Victrola 45 phonograph at your RCA Victor dealers tomorrow. Folks, this is Phil again. United Cerebral Palsy conducts its annual campaign during the month of May. This disease can result in inability to speak, to walk, or to perform any of the everyday actions. Treatment requires skilled specialists and usually takes considerable time. With early diagnosis, treatment, care, and education, many of those afflicted can be helped to become supporting citizens. So do your part to help in the success for funds for United Cerebral Palsy. Thank you, and good night. Good night, everybody. Included in this program transcribed was Sheldon Leonard. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. Now RCA Victor brings you the delightful orchestral music from Bizet's opera Carmen on new Red Seal 45 EP record. In this new Red Seal album, Fritz Reiner conducts five stirring selections, including the zestful prelude with a famous Toreador song, the rhythmic dance bohemienne and farandole. Add this wonderful tune-packed EP album to your collection of fine music. Ask your dealer tomorrow for the new RCA Victor 45 extended play record, orchestral music from Carmen. The Harris Fay Show came to you transcribed. Next, hear Theater Guild on the air on NBC. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1942-1943 season. Today's episode, we get a chance to hear Rochester sing a little bit, which is always a lot of fun. I have mentioned before, I love it when the characters sing. Uh, I just think it adds to them, and each one has a unique style all their own. And uh, we, over time, I was thinking about we over time we we hear Jack sing multiple times, of course, over the series. Uh, Mary, we just last week had Mary's very first surviving recording of her first uh, singing on the show. 
and of course Dennis and and Kenny Baker sing and um, Phil every once in a while will give us a song which is great um, Don sings in some of the commercials and things at times so uh, basically the entire cast at some point sings and sometimes all together as well um, I don't know I don't know how many people enjoy the singing as much as I do or not. Um, if you are a person that enjoys the singing and whose songs you enjoy the most and so forth, uh, email me over at buckbennyotr at gmail.com. I would love to hear um, who you like the best and who you think has the most unique singing voice. Um, both, I guess if I was to go with unique singing voices, to me it would have to be Rochester and Phil, they both um, have very interesting style of voices and uh, with Rochester probably being the most singularly unique where he doesn't sound like anybody else. Um, I'm surprised he didn't release an album at some point. Anyway, enjoy tonight's episode and we'll see you next time. The Grape Nuts Flakes program coming to you from the Marine base at Camp Pendleton, California and starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Say, friends, ever notice how your grocer smiles as he hands you a big 12-ounce economy-sized package of delicious, toasty brown grape nuts flakes? That's because grand-tasting, nourishing grape nuts flakes are not rationed. You can have all you want. And then you feel pleased as you carry your grape nuts flakes home, thinking of all the marvelous whole-grain nourishment your folks will get in each crisp, tempting bowl full. The same way your husband will feel when he samples the amazing goodness of grape nuts flakes, a sweet-as-a-nut, malty richness that's wide-awake, lip-smacking swell. Yes, grape nuts flakes bring you more smiles per mouthful, so... For a round of smiles at your home tomorrow, make it Grape Nuts Flakes all around the table. played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, from the Marine base at Camp Pendleton, California, we bring you our two-fisted master of ceremonies. Well. <laughs> a man who has been known to chin himself ten times before he could pull down the handle on a slot machine, <laughs> Jack Benny. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny, who never played a slot machine in his life, talking. And Don, Don, I may be a little flabby now, but when I was the age of these boys in our audience, I was as tough and physically fit as any one of them. Why, when I was 17 years old, I worked a whole summer at a lumber camp in the North Woods. Lumber camp in the North Woods? Were you a lumberjack jerk? 
Uh, what? I said, were you a lumberjack jerk? <laughs> a lumber, a lumberjack jerk? Well, I can't say, were you a lumberjack jack? It doesn't sound right. <laughs> All right, then why don't you say, was I a lumberjerk jack? <laughs> but jerk, there's no such thing as a lumberjerk. Look, Don, let's start over. When I was 17 years old, I worked in a lumber camp in the North Woods. Were you a lumberjack, John? John, that's <laughs> No, no, that's, that's better. No, 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 Don, I wasn't. Well, were you a stripper, a man who hews the bark from the mighty monarchs of the forest? No, 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 I wasn't, Don. Well, uh, did you ride the logs down the river and break up jams by sheer brute strength? No, 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 I didn't, Don. Huh? No, no. Well, uh, what was your job in the camp? I used to go around with a needle and remove slivers from the lumberjack's finger. <laughs> oh, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'd be exhausted, you know? Exhausted from removing slivers? Well, that wasn't the only job I had, Don. I was also a BBR. What's that? A baby bird remover. You see, you see, before any tree could be cut down, I had to climb up in the branches and remove all the little baby birds from the nest. Oh, I see. Then you'd climb back down the tree with the birds in your arms. No, no, I didn't carry them in my arms. You see, Don, just as I got up to the nest, I'd whistle like a mother robin, and all the little birds would jump into the can of worms which I had tied on top of my head. <laughs> I'll never forget the day I was attacked by an infuriated woodpecker. A woodpecker? Was she mad? I think so. She tapped out, I hate you, in Morse code on the back of my neck. <laughs> and they have sharp beaks. Oh, hello, Mary. Hi, Jack. Don, what are you shooting the breeze about? Shooting the breeze? Well, Mary, I see you've, uh, you're using some marine slang. Where'd you pick it up? Well, I met a couple of Liberty Hounds who were on the beach at Oceanside uh, at Oceanside last night, and we all went to a restaurant for a cup of joe with sidearms. Oh, I get it. Uh, you met a couple of Marines on leave and had coffee with them. You know, that lingo is nothing new to me. I used to talk like that when I was a Marine during the First World War. Oh, pardon me, Jack, but weren't you a sailor during the World War? Oh, oh, yes, yes. He was a Marine during the Spanish-American War. <laughs> Mary, Mary, it so happens that during the Spanish-American War, I was just a bashful kid hiding behind my mother's apron. But they came and got you, and in you went. <laughs> that you're making up, you know. Well, while we're on the subject of Marines, Mary, let me tell you something. If I wasn't two years over the age limit, I'd join tomorrow. Of course, seven weeks in boot camp might be a little tough on me. Seven weeks? Yeah. Seven minutes in boot camp and you'd die with your boots on. Oh, I could stand it. Say, any man who has spent as much time as I have in the lumber camps in the North Woods has got to be tough. Oh, go sit in a bird's nest. <laughs> I didn't sit in a bird's nest. I rescued the eggs. Well, if it isn't the knucklehead kid. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Mr. Benny. What's all the chin music about? (laughs) 
chin music. Where'd you get hold of that marine lingo, Dennis? I know all of it. You do? Yeah, get this. Last night I bumped into a couple of Liberty Hounds on the beach at Oceanside, and we bought a bottle of red lead and got cockeyed. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis, red lead happens to be ketchup. Now, how could you get cockeyed on ketchup? I'm about the only guy I know that can do it. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> oh, boy, what, what an imagination. I get a bang out of mustard, too, but it's habit for me. <laughs> but it's what, Dennis? It's habit forming. Oh, oh. Well, Dennis, before you go on another binge, how about singing a song for the boys? Okay, but I didn't get a chance to rehearse this morning. The orchestra didn't show up. Oh, so the orchestra didn't show up. Where's that Phil Harris? Oh, Phil, were you calling me, you D.I. headache? <laughs> that I don't see here at all. Huh? Yes, come on over here, Phil. Come on. Hey, Phil, uh, Dennis tells me that you and your orchestra boys didn't show up for rehearsal this morning. Is that right? Yes, sir. Like Paul Revere said at Bunker Hill, I cannot tell a lie. <laughs> Phil, Paul Revere didn't say that. It was George Washington. Well, you used to knock around with them guys. I got to read about them. <laughs> Look, don't evade the issue Why didn't you and your boy show up for rehearsal this morning? We didn't hear the bugle Now cut that out <laughs> I want the truth Well, it's like this, Jackson Me and the boys went down to Tijuana last night on a goodwill mission <laughs> I see, continue Well, it was pretty hot down there and some of the boys got thirsty So I said, well, let's go in this drugstore here and get a tall, refreshing glass of water uh-huh So I speak a little Spanish myself, you know So I says to the guy I said, give us all a glass of tequila <laughs> That's water, you know, Bonacqua <laughs> Water, Phil, for your information Tequila is an intoxicating beverage Well, bless my soul <laughs> Now, Phil, what happened after you drank that tequila? Well, let's see you know, it's hard to patch this stuff together, Jackson. <laughs> well, concentrate, concentrate. What happened? Well, now, let me see. Now, after we left the drugstore, we followed a beautiful Mexican dame to her home, and I sang some songs under her balcony. Well, did you ever get smacked right in a kisser with a tamale? <laughs> no, but so much for romance south of the border. <laughs> Well, let's have your song, Dennis Oh, by the way, kid, I saw that, uh, Dennis I saw that movie you just made, Powers Girl And you were swell I watched you all through the picture Thank you Well, that's Benny for you A picture full of beautiful models And he can't take his eyes off the tenor <laughs> Quiet, go ahead and sing, Dennis
for his buddies were there with their sweethearts all around him with their sweethearts now he'd never had any sweethearts so over and over he'd say in my arms in my arms and i'm never gonna get a girl in my arms in my arms in my arms Ain't I never gonna get a bundle of charms Comes the dawn I'll be gone I just gotta have a honey holding me tight You can keep your knitting and your purling If I'm gonna go to Berlin Give me a girl in my arms tonight In my arms In my arms Ain't I never gonna get a girl in my arms, in my arms, in my arms, and I'm never gonna get a bundle of charms, comes the dawn, I'll be gone, and I thank you for the many letters you'll write, as for something nice and cute and female, I'll never find her in the female, give me a girl in my arms tonight, comes the dawn, I'll be gone, and though every little parting gift suits me right. Thank you very kindly, Mr. Benny, but you can keep your lucky penny. Give me a girl in my arms tonight. Give me a girl in my arms In My Arms, sung by Dennis Day and very good Dennis. I'm sure all the Marines here enjoyed it very much. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Oh, by the way, Jack, as long as we're here at Camp Pendleton, I have a story I'd like to tell you about a young man who wanted to join the Marines. Is it a true story, Don? I mean, uh, is it believable? Oh, oh, yes. It happened to a friend of mine, Homer B. Leavable. Oh. Oh, I mean, hmm. I say, well, uh, tell us the story, Don. Well, Mr. Leavable was a young man, 17 years of age, who wanted to join the Marines. Oh. So one morning, Homer went to a Marine recruiting station and, to his dismay, found that he was 12 ounces underweight. So he was rejected. 12 ounces underweight? Too bad. However, Homer was undaunted. He went home, rushed into the kitchen, and ate a whole 12-ounce economy-sized package of toasty brown sweet as a nut grape nut flakes. Paper and all? No, no, he put them in a bowl. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, I mean, hmm, go ahead. Well, that very same day, he went back to the recruiting office, and the doctor said, congratulations, young man, you've made the weight. And he got in the Marines? No, the added weight gave him flat feet. <laughs> well, that was tough luck. <laughs> Very good, Don. And now, ladies and gentlemen, say, Mary, do you think that was a true story? Sure, lots of people have flat feet. Look at yours. <laughs> Mary, I haven't got flat feet. Go on, your footprints in the sand have fooled many a duck hunter. 
There's very little buckshot in my bathing suit, Miss Livingston. It was those water wings that fooled him. Nah. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction tonight, we are offering a very unusual play. About 200 years ago, on the very side of this marine base, Camp Pendleton, there was a great Mexican ranch known as the Rancho Santa Margarita. So this evening, we would like to show you what life was like on a typical rancho in those early days. In other words, our sketch will take you back 200 years. And don't think we haven't got the jokes for it. <laughs> You're crabbing everything. Oh. Inasmuch, inasmuch as I am the only member, Chuck Reisner won't like it, inasmuch as I am the only member of our cast who speaks Spanish, I will play the part of a wealthy landowner, Don Jose Benet. I speak Spanish, Mr. Benny. You do? Now, the part of my daughter... Si yo conocía una vez, señorita, me enseñó a hablar español y comer enchiladas también. Yes, sir. Now, the part... The part of my... The part of my daughter... What did Dennis say to you, Jack? What's he talking about? I don't know. But you said you spoke Spanish. I speak it, but I don't understand it. (laughs) Now, the, um... The part of my daughter... Bueno, señor Benny, diga usted algo, estoy ansioso... Bonus notches, Dennis, bonus notches. <laughs> now, the part of my daughter... I can't speak Spanish, eh? Now, the part of my daughter, Conchita Rosita Margarita Pepita Benet, will be played by Mary Livingston. Phil Harris will be a Yankee salesman, and Don... Yes, Jack? To make the rancho authentic, you're playing the part of a herd of cattle. <laughs> So, uh, pin these 500 tails on your pants and let's get going, huh? <laughs> Now, this play will be presented immediately after a band number by Phil Harris. How about it, Phil? Well, I'd like to, Jackson, but we didn't have no chance to rehearse and it'll sound ragged. What? You know, it won't be my usual smooth, dreamy style. Dreamy? Phil, just because people close their eyes when they hear you play, don't let it go to your head. <laughs> now, let's have it. Wait a minute, I'll take it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny, this is Rochester. Now listen, Rochester, when you left Los Angeles last night, I told you to be here for the program today. Now, where are you? Well, a friend of mine offered to drive me to Camp Pendleton, but on the way down, we got a flat tire. I see. Between Los Angeles and Camp Pendleton, you had a flat tire. Where are you calling from? Tijuana. Tijuana? Tijuana, come down here or should I come up there? Now you come up here. Now, let me ask you something, Rochester. In driving from Los Angeles to Camp Pendleton, how could you possibly get to Tijuana, which is 50 miles south of here? Well... Well what? Well, boss. Well, boss what? Are you well, boss? Yes, I'm well. (laughs) Now, Rochester, I want the truth. You went down to Tijuana for a good time, didn't you? Oh, no, boss. All I had since I've been here is a couple of glasses of buttermilk. Buttermilk, eh? Are you sure that wasn't tequila you drank? 
It could be my cigars lit at both ends. <laughs> I thought so. Now, listen, Rochester, I want you to get right over here to Camp Pendleton. I promise these boys you'll do a song for them. Okay, I'll be there. Good. Did you bring your music with you? It's right on my hip, boss. I wrapped a bottle of buttermilk in it. <laughs> well, see you later. Goodbye. Don't worry, fellas. He'll be here, and I'll have him do a song for you. Gosh, if he's in Tijuana now, he can't possibly get here in time for the program. This is radio, kid. Wake up. Bonehead notches. Play for <laughs> played by Phil Harris and the Orchestra. Now for our play about life on the Rancho 200 years ago. I remember, Mary, you're going to be my daughter. Phil, you're the Yankee salesman. And Don, you're a herd of cattle. How many heads? Just one head, Don. Like, like I told you, 500 tails. <laughs> All right, let's get going. What about me, Mr. Benny? Am I going to be in the play? Oh, yes, yes. Pardon me, kid. Uh, Dennis, you're going to be my daughter's sweetheart, Don Deniso Dopo. <laughs> so here we go to the Rancho Benet. Curtain. Music. <laughs> ah, Don Jose Binet, I am one lucky man. I have beautiful daughter, I have beautiful rancho, and 500 head of beautiful cattle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They are so big, so fat. I think I will send them to market soon. No! No! Okay, I wait. Ah, here come my little daughter, Conchita, Rosita, Maquita, Papita, Lolita, Juanita, Benet. Ah, my papa, Don Jose Benet, with a lousy toupee. Conchita, my darling, I have good news for you. Tomorrow you marry Don Deniso Dopo, big tortilla man from Tijuana. But I have never seen this Don Dopo. He's a stranger to me. After the wedding, you will get acquainted. (laughs) Don Deniso Dopo make fine husband, Conchita. Marry him and you will have five, maybe ten, maybe fifteen children. Boys or girls? Mix them up. Mix them up! Mix them up, that's all. 
Vanity Settle. Ah, here comes Don Dopo from the depot. Ah, he stopped Queek. Come in. Ah, Don Dopo, did you have nice treat? Si, si. <laughs> Come here, Don Dopo. I would like to present to you to my daughter, Conchita, Rosita, Maquita, Pepita, Lolita, Juanita, Patuta, Patita, Patuta, Benay. <laughs> you like her, yes? Oh, yes, vea. Es por one the other momento de tenerla en mis brazos. Ah, uh, you understand what he say, Conchita? Only the whistle. I must talk with Don Dopo alone, Conchita. So go in the kitchen and put kettle on. But I am already wearing sombrero. Put kettle on stove, not on hair. <laughs> now, Scramo. Oh, you mean I should take the powder? Yes. Now, Don Dopo, we talk business. If you marry my daughter, I give you 50 cow. Only 50 cow? If I marry Don Pedro Alvarez's daughter, he give me 50 cow and throw in the bowl. <laughs> But I, I am not throwing the bull. I really give you 50 cows. <laughs> you will marry Conchita, Rosita, Maquita, Pepita, Lolita, Juanita, Benita, Benet, tomorrow. And your brother Pancho, he will be best man. But my brother Pancho is dead. He was killed by a weasel. <laughs> How could a man be killed by a little weasel? He was standing on the track. The train came along and he did not hear the weasel. <laughs> One big joke, I am laughing. Even Pancho went to pieces. <laughs> anyway, it is settled. You will marry my daughter tomorrow. Now, if you will help me, I will call her in. Oh, Conchita, Rosita, Marquita, Papita, Lolita, take it. Juanita, Anita, Franchita, Galita, take it. Sosalita, Belita, Benet. Will you come in here, please? Were you all calling me all? <laughs> We're south of the borders, huh? It is settled, my daughter. Tomorrow we will have wedding, and you will marry Don Dopo. But I do not love these Dopo. I love Gringo. What Gringo? Feel with the curly Harris. <laughs> ah, Feel Harris. Last week he mixed up program with Ad Lee. <laughs> yes. Who is this Gringo? I will kill him. Be careful, Don Dopo. Phil Harris is one tough hombre. He is big man. I got no care for him. I no care if he is twice my big and three times my heavy. I kill him. <laughs> Here he come now, my Americano. Must be same horse. He is coming into the house. Don Dopo, what are you doing with that knife? I got hangnail. Oh, my love there, my sweetheart. Ah, Conchita, Rosita, Marquita, Pepita, Lolita, Juanita, Anita, Benita, Francita, Carlita, Belita, Margarita, Benet, I love you. Who do you love? I'm not going through that again, sister. <laughs> now listen to me, gringo. I do not care how much you love my daughter. I have promised her to Don Doe. And don't forget those 50 cows. You will get them. But, Papa, I love Americano. 
I do not care. Listen, Gringo. I give you just three to leave this rancho. Look out, Phil. He's got a gun. You're on my side. <laughs> All right, Gringo. I am going to count three, and if you do not leave, I will shoot. Uno. Dos. Darn it, I forgot the Spanish word for three. <laughs> I don't care. I shoot you anyway. Miss me. And I will shoot Don Dopo. He's closer. Miss me too. Well, I know one thing I cannot miss. <laughs> well, see, Don, everybody, we will have steak for dinner. <laughs> Now, fellas, here's Rochester all ready to sing Taking a Chance on Love from his new picture, Cabin in the Sky. Here I go again. I hear those trumpets blow again. All aglow again, taking a chance on love. Here I slide again, about to take that ride again. Starry-eyed again, taking a chance on love. I thought the cards were framer, I never would try. But now I'm taking the game of and eight hard tie. On the ball again, I'm riding for a ball again. I'm gonna give my all again, taking a chance on love. I'm leading with my chin again. I'm starting out to win again. Taking a chance. Oh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, the United States has a job to do. We're marching together to win a bitter struggle. And to win this war, the United States of America, that means you and me and everybody in this nation, must be strong, clear-headed, wide awake, healthy. That is why our government is spending so much time and money and effort to see that every American eats to win so that he can work to win this war. We must all get a nourishing, well-balanced diet. Therefore, our government urges us to eat the basic seven foods every day, as outlined in Uncle Sam's nutrition program. We're proud that cereals, whole grain or restored, are one of the seven basic foods. We're proud the delicious, unrationed grape nuts flakes is a whole grain cereal member of the basic seven. And we're proud to cooperate in urging our fellow Americans to start tomorrow with this firm resolve, every day from now on, I'll eat the basic seven. Next week, Gardner Field, California. Good night, folks. Since the Marine Corps does not endorse any product, this broadcast is not intended as an endorsement of our product by the Marine Corps.